Hi, welcome to the Craft Sanctuary. My name is Yaro. I'm a queer maker living in Scotland, and I'm hosting this podcast to explore making as healing, landscape as belonging, and grief as a door. I also host a creative community that you can join on a pay-what-you-can basis. We meet weekly for cozy creative co-working sessions and have a supportive space on Mighty Networks. You can find the link in the show notes, and if you have a second, I would also really appreciate a review. Thank you so much. I'm sending love to you and your making practice. Hi, everyone. I just had such a lovely chat, check up, check in, <laughs> saying hello with my guests. We haven't talked in a while. And I'm sitting with this really deep sense of gratitude, as I've mentioned many times. I know I always waffle on about that, but it's just such a gift to be able to host people on my podcast and hear about their stories. And I want my today's guest but also all guests to know that I so appreciate their time and their openness because it is a big deal you know to come to someone's else, someone else's digital home basically and say hi and say what you do so I just love the storytelling and I love the listening so that is my little intro and I want to tell you now about my guest so it's the wonderful Daphne Cohn who I don't even know where to begin. I think of her as an amazing storyteller, an amazing community weaver, an artist, a really deep listener, someone who is um, really attuned to things that I care about, I would say, and someone who brings people together in really like creative and abundant and joyful ways while also making space for grief, which is not easy. Let me say that. It's not easy. <laughs> Daphne, I'm so excited to speak to you and so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you, Yaro. It's really, really a pleasure to be here, to be in conversation with you. Mm -hmm. So I want to begin by asking you where you are in the world and what nature is like around you. I am in Asheville, North Carolina in the United States, and uh, this is formerly land of Cherokee, and nature around me, I live in a town, which sometimes feels more like a city. I'm a little bit more off the main trail, so there's a lot of trees around me, and there are mountains that I can see from my window and I go to with some frequency. Uh, there's some river, there's a river right down the road from me that I walk along quite often. And a lot of birds, a lot of birds. That sounds really beautiful. I. I've never been to Asheville, but I have these really romantic ideas about everyone being a herbalist, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of herbalists. <laughs> I bet, yeah. So my next question, really, you can take that in any direction you like. I know it can mean so many different things to different people, and that's actually part of the reason I love asking it, but I would love to hear what your creative nature is like at the moment and how maybe that weaves into your work, but also into your spirituality, your daily rituals, anything you feel like sharing. Yeah, okay. It is, it's a big question. Uh, my creative nature right now, this, the, the questions, I think that I'm holding the 
So one of the things that I do in my creativity is I will often ask myself questions as a way of diving deeper into whatever it is that wants to be explored, whatever wants to be made, and also as a way of understanding my life and where I am in my life and what it is to be me in this point in time. And then of course I ask questions of other people for the same reasons, but at this point, I, so I write is one of the forms of my creativity. And, and then I also, like you said, I create communities and my, the questions that are most present for me is what is it to live a life devoted, devoted to the creative spirit, devoted to this divine, whatever that is. Uh, for me, it's more like the mystery. And so what is it to live a life devoted to that? What is it to be fully embodied in my creativity and in my devotion? Those are the questions that consume me at this point in my, at this point in time. And by consume, I mean, there's always somewhere in, in my being, I'm holding them constantly. Um, so my creative nature is then expressed through my writing and through the communities that I gather. And one of, there are two, three, actually three different types of communities at the moment. One of them is called Illumin and we gather my, in Eastern time in the morning, it's every morning, Monday through Friday and it's free. And this has become this incredibly powerful expression of my creative nature because each morning I sit down and with whoever, whomever shows up, begin the space with a blessing, we open and close with a blessing. And then I go into whatever it is that wants to be expressed. And it's amazing to me what shows up in this place of sacred devotion, in this place of community, in this place where the people who gather gather out of this love of creativity, that there's something about all of that coming together that I am completely, I just believe very deeply impacts what I end up writing, what ends up being made during this time. That's one aspect of it. I could say more, but I don't know if uh, how that feels. Oh my gosh, tell us everything, Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> tell us uh, as much as you like, yeah. Tell us what? Tell us as much as you like. So that, well, that hour has actually changed my life. I, I really, I started January 3rd, I believe. So I started the first Monday of the year, which I think was the third. And I did it from this place of, I don't understand why I'm doing this. I don't like committing to anything every day. So, so I don't understand what it is that is compelling me to, to do this, but something from outside of me was definitely compelling me to do it. And I didn't know what was to come of it. I just, um, I just started it. So that has really changed 
a expression, my creative nature in that way, because what I have seen in this constant showing up day after day after day, whether I want to or not, is there is something happening between me and my creative nature. There is a deepening of the relationship in ways I could never have predicted. And by showing up for it every day, I feel like, and I think of, I think of my creative nature, I think of creative spirit as feminine. So I'm just gonna refer to it as she, cause that's what feels most natural to me. But I feel that in showing up for this relationship with her every day, there is something that is building between the two of us. If you can turn a spirit into some kind of, give it like a life, um, but there's something building and developing and deepening. And because of that, I am trusting what comes out of me more. I am sharing it with more confidence in myself and my relationship to creativity. So it's not necessarily my relationship to the one who reads it or receives it, but the relationship that I have with creativity. And it's still early. I mean, I'm, I feel like there's a lot, it, it's gonna get a lot deeper. I just think like in any relationship that is long-term, it changes, it grows, it evolves, and it requires this constant opening up to softening receiving, listening, and, and sharing. So there's that. And then uh, I have a community for artists and makers, an online community for artists and makers that where we gather every week. But uh, at this point, it's really run mostly by my business partner, Alana, who's amazing. And the other thing I'll say, just the last thing I'll say about this is, the something that I'm now offering that is just opening is something called Emerge, which is movement and writing. And again, it's really about showing up for creativity in the moment and seeing what what is waiting to be expressed when we let go of having to perform, having to share in a certain way, have it sound good, think that it needs to be right, that there is a wrong. When we let go of all of that and just go into our body, go into our heart and see what wants to be written, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, the truth that comes out. And to do that together also in communities incredibly powerful and affirming and inspiring. Mm -hmm. I was nodding along with my whole body listening to them. Yeah. I fully agree. And I have so much respect also for the courage to commit to a daily practice with other people. I think even committing to it for ourselves is really big and so precious and you know, what a thing to do with other people every day, this vulnerability to show up, not knowing who'll be there and 
you know, what will come up in the shared space. I think that's so beautiful. And I really love how you spoke to the self-trust aspect as well, because I don't know, I, I think that's something that's become really important to me over the years, because so much can get in the way of expression and play and joy and pleasure when we constantly second guess ourselves. And so I'm so passionate about developing the self-trust and letting go of perfectionism and you know, just this playful thing of, um, let me just see what happens. Let me trust the process. And I know that sounds really fun, but from experience, I can, I think that can be really hard. It's really yeah. a big thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can be. I mean, I don't know if you want me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree <laughs> completely. <laughs> Go for it. If you have want to share anything. Um, well, I just think what you said was right on this whole piece about the vulnerability of showing up every day and not knowing who's going to come or how that, what shape it will take. I had no idea actually how vulnerable a process that is. And it still surprises me, actually. It really, I think that that is where this commitment matters so much because it is, it's, it's vulnerable, it's, um, it can be really emotional um, and developing that trust. I mean, this is something that I have worked on for years, for years. I think it was maybe four years ago where I chose trust, like self-trust as my word of the year because I felt so far from it and I feel so much closer now, but it's still, I mean, it's really, it's every day and it's throughout the day of coming back. And can I trust myself here? And can I trust myself with just this, this muscle that I am constantly strengthening. So exactly. I agree with you. It's hard. It's sounds Sounds great and it's beautiful <laughs> and it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so you touched on this already a little bit, but oh, sorry, that was my dog. <laughs> and you touched on this a little bit already, but I wonder what the pandemic so far has been like for you and how you kept in touch with your creative practice through the seasons. And I want to say also because I been thinking today about how beautiful of an archive in a way a podcast is and so I want to name that we're recording this in April 2022 just for reference as to where we're at in the unfolding of things. <laughs> yeah. Okay the pandemic has been really interesting for me and I almost feel like I shouldn't say this but I have to just because this is another example of, of speaking what is true which for me, the pandemic in many ways was a blessing. I am someone who is fairly introverted. I like to spend a lot of time alone. And the pandemic showed me actually more than I even knew how much I like to spend time alone and be in the quiet and how the world can at times feel very overwhelming and very overstimulating. And it's easy for me when I'm out in the world too much to feel both lost in the world, but also lost, disconnected from myself. And what I see, what I know about myself is one of the reasons that I spend so much time in quiet alone is because 
that's what it takes for me to stay connected to myself. It, it doesn't take much to get disconnected when I go out into the world and I'm working on that, but it's, it still doesn't seem to take a whole lot. So the pandemic was almost like an excuse to, well, it was, it was an excuse to not have to put myself in the world in a way that compromised that connection. Overall, I would say it actually really deepened my creativity because my creativity comes so much from that connection. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that you did say that because I know <clears throat> it can feel hard. You know, I hesitate to sometimes to say actually some of those aspects I really enjoyed. And I think that there is a way of talking about this that doesn't deny the hardship and the grief and the loss and the trauma because there's, you know, like you said, those aspects that are really beautiful, the deepening, the quiet, the being allowed to disconnect to reflect in a deeper way on what isn't isn't working for us in our day-to-day -day lives. And I really relate to what you're saying about um, just the overwhelm and how easy it can become to disconnect from oneself when we lead busy lives and just the horror as well as at how normalized that has become. Um, you know, just the looking around, you know, myself and my relationships and thinking about how normal it is for for someone to say how you're doing and for the other person to say keeping busy <laughs> you know as, yeah. if, as if that is a a good thing and b also like an actual answer to the question I mean that's just so fascinating to me that we do this little dance <laughs> every day often anyway but that's a, another tangent but all this to say I really hear what you're saying and understand where you're coming from where you're coming from and I know that all of this is true and at the same time it wasn't easy and I think one of my biggest takeaways is really this expansion into holding complexity and opposites and you know and the both and, and and naming all these different things and seeing what we can make from them yeah yeah that's beautiful that's beautiful <laughs> I, I, lo I love it I love that you named the both and because it is so important because of course that's another piece of it was the pain that has been in this world has been in a heightened state, I should say, in this world since the pandemic began. And then now with war in Ukraine, and we have a lot of war on our own soil in the United States and other ways. And um, to, to be able to somehow hold that while also being in the beauty and the blessing and the joy of, of it all is this, that too, it's, it is, it's both and, and it's a constant dance with that. It's, it, that is not something that I have any kind of a pat answer to because I am always moving back and forth between the two. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, uh, I, I keep working on, softening and opening without being so, 
like uh, drowned by what can be so hard when we open to all that is. And at the same time, part, part of what makes it possible to keep softening and opening is how beautiful the world is, is how much it's the, all the wonder, the, the magic, the mystery, that is what gives me so much life and joy in the midst of really the craziness of, of being human. Yeah, me too. And honestly, I also don't know how else we would survive if we weren't connected to the joy and the beauty as well. I am just looking out the window of this new home that I moved to three weeks ago. And I love my neighborhood so much. It's these old Victorian houses that are all made of stone. I really love living in stone houses for some reason that's always like really fascinated me. Anyway, but they're all really small flats. And so there's the sense of like, I don't want to say equality because I think that's a bit simple, simplistic maybe, but you know, there's basically no rich people in my neighborhood. But, and so we have these similar flats, but they're all very unique. Like everyone does something different with the front gardens. All the stones are different. There's different like shapes and layouts, but then no, none of them are bigger than two stories, which is really sweet because we can see the sky. So the sky is always with an easy view, you know, which you don't get in an inner city environment. And then in the far distance, I can see the sea as well. And I sometimes walk down my street and I just look at these little houses and I just feel so overwhelmed with love for humans and how cute everyone is and like <laughs> people just, you know they just live their little lives in their own little boxes and our boxes are all close together and we can wave at each other and make sandwiches and walk our dogs and isn't that just cute <laughs> oh that's so lovely yeah <laughs> yeah and then there's this guy in the scene anyway Daphne this is not about my neighborhood <laughs> I would love to hear what your daily practices are like at the moment, maybe how they've changed or how they're nourishing you, what you're curious about at the moment. Yeah, so they have changed. I've, because of Illumin, because of this morning hour, first of all, I, it was really clear to me from the beginning in opening Illumin up that I wanted to be in a certain state of mind every time I opened it because it it is this sacred space for creativity so in order for it to be a sacred space I didn't want to have I didn't want to be rushing into it I didn't want to be flustered or frustrated or upset about things and so I decided that I would devote the morning leading up to it because it's 9 a.m my time to getting into a, that space so when I wake I wake and I go right into meditation and then I do yoga and uh, I will make tea and then actually my husband and I will do a short meditation together right before the hour. But a lot of quiet, a lot of, if there's things in my on my mind that are agitating me, then there's a very clear intention to either have them settle or somehow begin to work through me. But a lot of attention to getting into this space of, of what I say, this sacred space, which I see as having deep respect and reverence for 
So how do I have deep respect and reverence for my life when my day begins? How do I have deep respect and reverence for the gathering that happens when we all come together to make? What, what needs to happen for me to be in that space? So I start every day and that's generally about two, two and a half hours. It's, 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 it takes me a lot of time to get, get into that space, but um, I usually wake up around 6.30 and somewhere around then. And so start that around then. And, and then go into a lumen. So my day is always started with writing, with going into this creative space inside of myself. And I would say the, the areas that I'm looking at where I feel like I keep like uh, being challenged by, which is what, when you said, you ask how people are doing a lot of times, they'll say keeping busy. It's very easy for me to then go into, okay, now I'm in my work day. You know, now I have all these things to do. I have things to get done. And the question that I keep asking myself is how can I move through all of these different aspects of my work life in a way that maintains that element of the sacred in a, in a way where I'm in communion with the work and not just checking off the boxes. I, that is something that is in progress where I go in and out of that. Sometimes I really bring myself into it and I start with intentions and with a blessing and I'll have my diffuser on. And if it's wintertime, candles. Um, and sometimes I just, no, I gotta get this done. And I just move through it. And it always, it never feels as good when I do that. So I'm paying more and more attention to that. And then the other thing I think that's really up for me in my daily practice is when I go to share something, whether it's an email with my community, whether it's a post on social media, which I'm doing a little more of now, uh, whether it's a podcast going out, that can I get into an energy before I do any of those things? Can I be in that energy where it's the most open, uh, the most connected, the most um, true, the most true? What does it take for me to get into that space so that whatever I do put out into the world was created in that space? Not always the case. I don't always get there, but I'm, I'm paying more and more attention to how can I get there? And, and can I, if I can't get there, can I do something else that isn't related to the work that goes out into the world? Because I just want so much for whatever I put out into the world to come from this connected, true, open, soft place. Uh, and then, so, anything else in my daily practice? I mean, those, those are the main things and that these, I can think of, yeah. And these are such beautiful things. And I love, yeah, I love the intention and the beauty that you bring to your work. And I also really love that you named how long it takes to get into a place because what I'm about to say might sound like a bit of a boring business thing, but actually I think 
it's really important when we think about pricing and business models and sustainability and access and inclusion to say that there is a way of holding space that goes way beyond the time that we actually spend together. And I, as you know, I, I work with people who, build, who are building small businesses and we often talk about that. And I think often people kind of dismiss um, that time in the morning or the evening or whenever, you know, they, whenever they wanna sit and practice as something that they just do for themselves or like, you know, it's a treat and it is a treat, of course, it's a privilege to be able to have the time and the space and the safety and the headspace and all of that to do these things. But it's also in another way, a real necessity, I think, when we want to hold space for other people that feels grounded and peaceful and open and open to conflict as well, you know, it just takes time and that needs to be part of our um, of our business models, you know, I don't think it always needs to be these really rigid, you know, like this is my hourly rate and this is whatever. Um, but I think we do, of course, need to meet our financial needs and and that time to be able to show up for our practices the way that we want to is part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what kind of practices you do to because I imagine that you also get into a similar kind of space around your work and yeah I'd love to hear thank you yeah I love being asked back because <laughs> I'm like <"Ooh." laughs> um I I think it has definitely also changed a lot for me and I'm really noticing a much much increased sense of ease with just showing up to what is so this coming weekend for example I'm offering a free virtual business retreat and of course I have no idea who's actually going to be there I can look at the list of signups but at the end of the day we'll, we'll make the thing together and there's only so much that I can do and there's definitely not a sense of control which can be very uncomfortable of course you know so I uh, think I'm just trying to be as present with myself and my body as I can and that in the past year I think has become much more about rest and pain management and and keeping my house really tidy which I know is not a very glamorous answer right but having moved houses three weeks ago I really noticed how much I needed to totally prioritize uh, getting the colors right <laughs> which again I'm a bit self-conscious to say sounds so weird but the the living room was was uh, painted this extremely bright strange blue that was really freaking me out a bit and it just I just couldn't rest that well in this room until I I painted it my signature sage green which makes me so happy and now I'm like really content in here and I love the light and it's just a great place to work so anyway I think all this to say I think pace is very important to me rest is really important um I just got this really beautiful mattress topper and I'm ridiculously grateful for it because it just feels like I get into bed, it's like being sandwiched into a cloud um, between my mm. weight blanket and this mattress topper. So really celebrating these moments. I also have a bathtub now, which I haven't had in years. And I love that so much when I get sore to be able to really warm up in this deep, bone deep way, basically. And then just being in gratitude really as much as I can, being aware of 
my losses and my grief makes me feel that gratitude is so much more accessible on a daily basis. And I even, you know, three or four years ago, probably would have said, yeah, sure, you know, gratitude is very important and I want to be aware of my privileges, la, la, la. But I think um, the last few years have been really humbling and I'm just, uh, I think I'm just really beginning to understand what that means, you know, what gratitude really means. And uh, to give you a more practical example, um, I think when we're starting out or when we're, you know, when we're on social media, it can be so easy to compare ourselves, be that based on numbers or an output or on whatever, you know, it's just so easy to never feel good enough. And I think gratitude in my work is really thinking every single person who's showing up for a free thing and just being so excited that they're there instead of wondering who isn't there or if I got enough attention for my thing or if I should have done more in another way. It's so much easier, you know, it's just so much more fun for everyone involved. So yeah, I think that's a really important piece as well. Thank you. I love that you gave that example because I was actually going to ask you what are like how you practice gratitude because people talk about it all the time, right? If you want to be grateful, you want to be grateful, but what does that actually look like in the moment to moment? So that was a beautiful example uh, that really spoke to me. Is are there other ways that you also, I, I just, I want to know this for myself. So I would love to hear if there are other specific ways that you keep gratitude at the forefront. Well, thank you so much, Daphne. This is really sweet. <laughs> I love this question. And um, I'm going to share something else that comes to mind that is a little bit more sad, but I think it's a, for me, like a really valuable lesson. So I want to share it. Um, a good friend of mine died just before the holidays around the winter solstice. And so I miss them every day. It's, it's truly the, tra the most tragic thing that I have ever witnessed. And I have tidied up the house after they died and, you know, with, with some friends. And I kept a few books and I, um, they kind of just like merged into my books now. I have quite a few. And as I kind of like tidy my house and make sure everything finds a place, I, I you know, almost every day I'll pick something up that belonged to my friend, Francis. Um, and the other day I had this thought and was like, oh my gosh, wow. Like Francis didn't want to stay around for these things anymore. And that's so heartbreaking. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way at all, because I, I deeply respect that they were really struggling and um, that I have no right, you know, to judge someone else's experiences or pain or, or anything like that. So I'm not saying that as in like, oh my God, they left their stuff behind, not at all. But I think what it turned around for me was like really walking through my home and be like, oh my gosh, I love my things so much. I love my book collection, I love my plans, I love being alive, I really love tidying actually, I love having the energy to hoover, it really does something for me. And um, I love arranging things, I love looking into my yarn stash and touching everything and I'm just really grateful to be able 
to manage my pain and my disability enough that I can still enjoy these things. And I know that's a real blessing. And I want to be able in whatever small way I can to support other people and staying connected to that, you know, if it is possible for them. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I think to conclude, I will say, it also strikes me that it's often grief that is kind of the gateway or the door. And I also wonder sometimes, like, couldn't I just learn this easier? <laughs> you know, like, I, does it have to be this painful, really? But I think, it, yeah, um, I'm still working on that. I'm not sure, Daphne. <laughs> I'm really not sure. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Oh, thank you for asking me beautiful questions back. Mm. Um, something that I'm curious about is, um, I mean, maybe we'll ride the grief wave a little bit more. Um, you're talking in your work about sacred space, and I love how you're giving yourself this space physically, but time-wise and on all these different levels. So I wonder, have you always been able to do that? What does that mean right now, both for yourself, sacred space, but also in community and um yeah did, did you know is grief a part of that for you and um what does that look like practically yeah that is a great question because you're framing it in a way that I have not thought of it before so first of all no I have definitely not always done this this way I was very much someone who was really disciplined and everything was about productivity there was a time in my life not too long ago where every like hour was time blocked um, eight to eight fifty I do this then I have a 10 minute break from nine to nine fifty I do this and then I take a 20 minute and like everything so that I was like really efficient and got a lot done and yet I was like what am I doing like at some point I was like what am I doing with my life this is so crazy everything got so out of balance working in that way and when you ask about grief it's interesting because the most immediate thing that rises up is that my father died last May and so almost a year ago now and that that impacted me in a way I had no idea. My father was the first person that I was really close to who died, uh, first family member. And it completely changed the way I felt about life and death. Up until then, I was pretty cavalier about it. I was like, okay, we live, we die, it's human. So you know, it's what we do. And I'm I'm still, I would say, I'm not afraid of death, I, I, but I have actually a respect for death that I never had before. And I know grief doesn't necessarily mean death, but it's just what is most present for me right now. And it really also taught me just how a life truly does have, it does come to an end. And this time is sacred the time that we're alive is sacred and that that changed something in me to just really like to feel that as opposed to it being something that was in my head which honestly I don't even think it was in my head I think I just didn't really think about things quite that way um 
but it became something that was in my heart and in my body and has helped me in committing to the things that I commit to in believing in the things that I believe in. Like you said, when I give myself two and a half hours in the morning, I don't even, I, the thought never occurs to me anymore. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, it just doesn't even come up of, oh my gosh, I, this is all for myself or I'm being selfish or this is a nice self-love thing. I, I don't think of it that way at all. I, it is those things, it is self-love, it is taking care of myself, but it is so much about my commitment to this planet, to my, the way that I am with people on this planet, that I see all of that as part of my work. It feels as important as anything else that I do. And I, I think that has been deeply informed by grief. And like you say, it's very humbling. It's, I use this word a lot, but it's a word that's really uh, important to me. It's very softening. It helps me soften. It helps me open. And uh, I think has helped with the harder edges in me that felt like I can, uh, both to protect myself, the hard edges I used to protect myself, but also this kind of bravado of, oh, I can do whatever I want. It's all going to be good. I'll take care of it. It's like, well, actually, I'm, I'm human, and being human means I'm vulnerable. It's just part of being a human. And to, to really take that in, to live with that, to breathe with that, and to let it inform the work that I do and the way that I live. So grief has played, a, in that way, a huge role in, in my devotion and in, in holding sacred spaces and creating sacred spaces in my work and in my life. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It is so vulnerable to be human. Oh my God. This is the thing that's been on my mind a lot. Like I, <clears throat> I mean, I make a great effort to drink enough, right? <laughs> but some days I do end up in the afternoon being like, oh man, I could have really been drinking a little bit more water today. You know, it happens sometimes. And I just then have this awareness of like how much goes into keeping yourself alive and being in a human body. Like you have to sleep and feed yourself and drink and you need daylight and you need people. And it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I wonder, um, and again, you know, you can take this in so many different directions, but I wonder what your wishes for the future are at the moment. Like, what do you wish we're taking out away from this year? Or like, what do you wish happens next? I ultimately, I wish that we are steadily working to building a safe world for everybody. It's not necessarily what I see happening, but that is my wish. Um, safety, you can't do anything without safety, whether it's physical safety, having a home, having food, whether it's emotional safety, 
um, whether it's safe in our bodies to be out in the world, to be walking on streets, to be going in places we've never been, whether it's safe um, in conversations with people, but to be safe, like, to imagine a world where we all felt safe. It's like, that. that is my wish. That is my wish. And in some ways, I think that's really what my work is all about, even though I never speak about it that way. How do we get to those places in ourselves where we do express what is most true, where we do express what is most real? Because I believe that the more true we show up in the world, the more safe we feel with each other, the more honest we are about what it is to be human, the more comfortable we feel in our own human experience. And then that opens up space for all sorts of like things to be made and ways to be in this world. So this work that I do to help bring out one's own song, one's own true, is ultimately about creating a safer world for all of us. Yes, oh, you couldn't hear that, but my dog just did a dead sigh, like, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Daphne, I wish that too. And I really like this framing of thinking of our work as, yeah, as a way to contribute towards safety. There's obviously so much more I could ask you. And I had said before we start recording that I would love a second interview sometime because I think this is just always nice to circle back after kind of getting a first overview of someone's work and thinking. But I wonder two things. Firstly, is there anything you feel like you haven't had a chance to speak to yet that you would really love to share? And secondly, what are you currently offering and where can people find you? Well, I would actually love to hear your wish. I know you said you wish that too. And I was wondering if there was anything else that you wanted to add to that. Ooh. Um, um, I, I also have a really big wish for intimacy. Um, I spoke to my friend Jade Maas earlier today, and we talked about <clears throat> queering intimacy intimacy with the landscape, with our communities, with animals, with plants, and really expanding the concept of intimacy beyond the monogamous heterosexual relationship or marriage, or, you know, this like more structured ways of relating that we as a society often prioritize, but really thinking about how we want to be intimate with, with communities and of all different kinds, right? And I think I think that's a real um, solution is, is not the right word, but I think there's just so much healing and transformation and possibility that can come from experiencing a real sense of intimacy with the world. And I think um, it can fuel our activism in a really beautiful way if we feel connected. So we were talking, for example, about wild swimming and how we've really both gotten into cold water swimming in the last few years and how we feel so much more connected with all the different waterways around us and how 
there being, um, you know, how sewage, for example, is is just dumped into the ocean in places in the UK and how enraging that is. And it is, you know, obviously it was enraging already before we started wild swimming, but I think having that intimacy with the landscape is just really important for us as activists. And um, I think it comes back also to love and gratitude and being in awe of things that's so important because it's a very long game, you know, a lot of things that we wish for and feel our right and our justice we might not see in this lifetime and yet we cannot give up on them so can we feel intimacy with that future for now maybe yeah beautiful that's beautiful uh so yes as far as the second part of your question uh the best place to learn about anything that I'm offering is at daphnecone.com. There you will see about Illumin, the Illumin Hour, which is five days a week, one hour, and then three days a week. So five days a week from nine to 10 Eastern, and then three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from one to two Eastern. And, um, and then I have a podcast there and the Within community, my online community with artists, for artists and makers is also there. And also the Emerge, which is the embodied writing workshop series is there as well. So everything is at DaphneCohen.com. And that, that's the best place. That's the best place to find me. I love the, I, the sense of everything is there. <laughs> everything is here but you're right it's a really beautiful website I've always meant to tell you that it's really great and yeah I think it's a great hub for people to explore and we'll link to that in the show notes as well and yeah oh gosh Daphne thank you so much for everything I love talking to you I feel very nourished and I'm so excited to share this with people so thank you Ah, it was it was so special for me. You you hold a really beautiful space, and it makes it very easy to just drop right in. So thank you. Thank you.